What's going on, guys, and welcome back. Who are the biggest winners and losers of the giant April patch that we just went through? We're going to be predicting the meta, what decks will rise up and take Sherry's spot. And lastly, we're going to be ranking the pool four and five cards in a tier list. Now that the card series drops have happened, who are the best cards to purchase with your tokens? We're going to be talking about all that and more on today's episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Alex Kocha, and we said it was going to be a big week, and my God, did they deliver, dude. What a week of Marvel Snap with, with a lot of changes. No kidding. It's an absolutely wild week to be a Marvel Snap player, and uh, that patch was insane. And of course, I love the idea of all the, the balance patch changes. I love the balance stuff, but like the surprises they sneak in there always get me cozy. I absolutely like the board, the new board. It's such a beautiful thing, and uh, I can't wait for them to like continue to improve on the game and even like the smallest ways. But for me, that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, I love the little things that get packed in. Like the new board looks incredible and it gives me hope that they can slot in other boards and thematic maybe season boards in the future. We talked about that with the revamp of the season pass. The visuals, I, I don't know if they just like up the vibrance on the lighting or something, but just the, the card effects are much more pronounced both on the game board and in the collection screen. I don't know about you, but they're almost like too pronounced here. They do they do their little like uh, animation constantly and stuff. It's it's really surprising and I love what they did. Yeah, no kidding. And again, you said it perfectly that the packaged in components of the patches are actually some of my favorite parts because like it just goes to show how quickly this game is iterating. It's like it's getting better every single patch, legitimately getting better every single patch. And you know that I talk about on my wish list all the time that one of the things I'm most looking forward to is that widescreen PC UI. And I feel like we're getting closer. I feel like we're getting closer, Cozy. For sure. This patch was so important. Right, like this patch was probably the most important patch right up there with the Zabu Silver Surfer craziness that we went through like at the beginning of the year of just like proving to the player base that they're listening and kind of throwing in some goodies. And man, I give it a 10 out of 10. I think they did a great job with the card balance. We're obviously going to be talking about the winners and losers today. The visual changes, things like that. The token shop change, that was really well done too. I like the fact that you can now kind of, you have a variant section that you can pin you have a series four and five. You have the card of the week. It's crazy how many iterations the token shop has gone through. And it's like slowly getting better and better. And I like that. I like that they're not, you know, moving on to the next thing. And it's probably still not done. I'm sure there's more that they're working on for card acquisition and the way that it works. As I keep saying, we're kind of in the, the building months and we're about to kind of like blast off here from May onward with the new game mode coming out. And then what I think they're setting up for, you know, it's cool. Ben Broad's going against Shroud, man. That's so cool too. Like just the exposure there and uh, they're still not, not done marketing, right? So all these things combined, it just proves that they are, man, they're in it. And uh, I was actually just watching Ben Broad versus Shroud and, and Shroud was going off like, yeah, this game's legit. It's not going anywhere. And when you have someone of that magnitude saying that, I mean, that's that's nothing but good, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely great for the game. And obviously Shroud has a highly competitive nature, right? So it speaks very well for the competitive future of Marvel Snap to have someone of Shroud's caliber talking about its potential going forward. So yeah, I absolutely love the idea of someone of, you know, of that skill set who, by the way, plays a ton of Snap. His collection level, I didn't realize, was like almost 8K. Dude, I was okay. So I saw it originally. Guys, if you don't know Shroud, CSGO, Apex Legends, very, very, very good gamer, big guy. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, here we go. A little sponsor action going on. We have a guy that doesn't know how to play Snap. And then he just completely, like, he took me by surprise. It, it showed me, too, like, how many closet fans there probably are of Snap because of it being a mobile game. And I forget that. It, obviously, it's a mobile game. But because of that, you have these just pure gamer competitive people by heart uh, that are picking up and playing it. And 
that's only going to be really good for the game's future and health and, and feedback, marketing, everything. You're absolutely right. And there's something that like I had never really considered and that came to mind when uh, I was actually watching Ben Brode's GDC talk. I he actually here. recently yeah. tweeted out and he talked about how Marvel Snap was a mobile first card game. And it didn't actually occur to me when he said it and it was kind of he said it in passing. I was like, that's right. Hearthstone and all the others, they launched like either on paper first in the case of Magic. In Hearthstone's case, it launched obviously on PC first and didn't have a mobile client for the longest time. I remember being a Hearthstone player and being like, you know, I'd love to have a mobile client. Snap's doing it the opposite way and obviously learning lessons from the prior experience. Like, you know, Ben would know that this is probably the preferred method of going, right? So when we have those two clients, like, I think it's going to open up a whole new wave of interest in this game. Oh, there's people that strictly only play on PC. Like, so much so that if the inbox sends something, they're like, I, I don't know how to get... Like, they don't have it on mobile. They don't need... It's not even an option, which is funny because that's crazy to me. I will say, much as I, I play way more on PC, but I definitely prefer playing on my iPad, but really uh, as well as my phone. I think it's just... It, it, it does. It feels like it's meant for that, you know? Although when, when widescreen UI comes out, I mean, let's be honest, I'll be playing on the PC. Especially with the art team. Like this art team is so good. Can you believe like they're going to make the greatest board and then like in the future season passes, I, listen, you can charge me 8,000 gold for a beautiful board. I will pay that gold. I think this art team is going to knock it out of the park when they get the opportunity. The art team has never missed. And for most of the balance patches, I, I haven't had like a huge head scratch. I think they've done a good job and they've proven themselves there, which... You look at the game, those are what some of the most important things, yeah? Now, Alex, before we talk too much about just everything that has happened in this patch, what are we talking about on your side of the channel? I'm glad you asked, because we're going to be talking about some heavy-hitting subjects, including Shuri. Is Shuri still meta? Like, Shuri saw a significant change, but I think it's taking a lot of people by surprise, because I think there's still some legitimate viability in the Shuri base list. We're also going to talk about bots in Marvel Snap, and whether or not it's good for the experience overall, whether you're a competitive player or a casual player. We're going to have that discussion, and we'd be interested in hearing your comments as well. And we're also going to be talking about the next Shuri. What is going to be the next card that's going to piss everyone off? Again, a lot of great things coming, a lot of subjects to talk about to start off though the first thing that we have to announce this will be our last snapchat on a thursday we are going to be having snapchat moving forward on drumroll mondays guys we decided mondays for multiple reasons but mainly outside of this week all the card balance changes will happen on a thursday and that gives us time to play test and, and figure it all out and then we can't do it on obviously the other days because we have different things that come up during those days and Wednesday's too far removed. So Monday it is. We're going to start and kick off your week with a fresh cup of coffee and the Snapchat. And uh, I'm actually excited. I think Monday's a great day. Yeah, I can't wait to get started. I mean, uh, with these patch changes coming up being weekly, and I like the idea of doing it on the Monday because it gives us a chance to like test some things, be a little more informed because I think that that's important. I, I want to be more informed on the cards and the changes and the meta before we have the opportunity to sit down and talk about it. Yep, exactly, guys. So with all that, we're going to go and jump into not only our subjects, but we have obviously the card of the week and the new card of the week. And guys, the new card, obviously, Jeff will be talking about over on Alex's channel. But the card of the week, I try to always pick something somewhat relevant. And we're going to talk Super Scroll, one of the new series card drops or one of the new uh, cards that drop series into finally Pool 3, Alex. He's an interesting card. I definitely think he's a lot of fun. I think he offers something very unique to your deck. 
And as far as that four cost slot goes, I like what he offers. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting card. And I mean, it's funny. I'm old school loving Super Scroll. If uh, you don't remember correctly, I'm going to have that first edition badge because it was one of the first cards that I bought. And I got to be honest, yeah, I took some emotional damage when I did that. Like it felt bad at the time because I didn't have Zabu. Zabu was not in the game yet. It often felt like the card that was like either the best card in my hand or the absolute worst draw I could have possibly had. And I think that the Shuri meta really killed it because Shuri was so prevalent and Super Scroll had no place in the Shuri meta. But now we're seeing we're seeing Peach. We're seeing all these different things come out and suddenly Super Scroll has a role to play. Yeah, so it's super interesting. What I did to kind of see about his viability is I pulled up the top most played on going cards, Alex. And I wanted to see this. I wanted to see what's being played the most right now. And of those cards, which ones are going to help Super Scroll? Which ones are like great to steal that ongoing ability? And luckily, we are seeing a lot of great ongoing cards, uh, but sometimes they're not great, right? Obviously, things like Sandman isn't going to be a big deal if you copy that ongoing. Uh, but starting with the very top, the number one played ongoing card is going to be Lizard. Obviously, we know that. And that is obviously a negative. You know, it's not a big deal. I don't think it's game changing. He'll lose three power. But if that's the only ongoing card, then obviously not that great. Uh, number two is armor, which, you know, not a big deal. I think it's nice to have a double armor lane. Sometimes that can maybe hurt you, but for the most part, not too bad. But the next two are interesting. All right. Zabu comes in as the third most played on going card. And I don't know about you. I mean, a free Zabu is, is, is always fantastic. I don't know how many four cost drops you have after Super Scroll, but I really like the Zabu here. And then at fourth, Alex, is Electro right now. And that is where I think... You're going to see after Electro, it's pretty much all good ongoing cards for Super Scroll, but I think Electro kind of keeps Super Scroll in check, right? Because we're about to enter a heavy Electro era, and, and this is the last ongoing effect you want to copy. Yeah, no kidding. And I think we're going to see a lot of Electro. Uh, Sandman Ramp is very popular right now. It's a very strong archetype. And it's one of those things where like, yeah, like it, it definitely holds Super Scroll in check. But I think that's important too. Like you need these counterbalance kind of cards. But at the same time, Super Scroll does feel like a Feast or Famine card. Like when you see a Devil Dinosaur on the other side, like you just kind of smile. Even though if your deck's not like designed to take advantage of it, like even if you copy the effect, right? The problem is, is that you know, you, you're not designing your deck to just boost your hand, right? Because you copy the effect, but not the value, right? Yep. So, like, it's it's a really interesting card. I really like the design of Super Scroll, and I think it uh, it's just maybe not this meta, but it might have its chance to uh, shine, and you don't know when. It's going to have its moment. It, it handles a lot of decks out there without handling them too well, if that makes sense. So, Devil Dinosaur, funny you say, is the fifth most played ongoing card, and Usually you're going to get the value there anyway. You know, that's just a great card to copy the ability of. They're really depending on that lane to win for Devil, but then you boost another lane, so it makes it pretty tough. Blue Marvel comes in after that, so obviously probably, I would argue, one of the best, if not the best one to copy outside of our next card. Blue Marvel, obviously great. Plus one across the board for free. Sarah is, without a doubt, the best probably Super Scroll card that you can copy. I think this is the most common, like, you're going to win the game because they spin it on Sarah or you put Super Scroll out on four because you kind of predicted they were going to play. I think the problem is when do you play Super Scroll? 
Because do you wait till they put a, a good ongoing card in? Uh, when do, and how do you judge that? You're absolutely correct. I mean, I guess that comes down to knowledge of the specific archetypes. Like we talked a long time ago about the ability to kind of predict archetypes, understanding that, okay, here's their play pattern on turn one and two. Do I identify this as a Patriot list? Do I identify it as a Hitmonkey list? Like what kind of list is this? Is this a Silver Surfer, Sarah Surfer, right? And having that opportunity gives you kind of some insight as to where you should be playing Super Scroll. However, the thing is, is you don't want to play a card like super scroll on turn four because it's a two it's two power like it's a four power gap to white queen who still has a great effect power like maintains initiative so like super scroll you just don't want to just throw out there so it's very tricky to play him correctly because again he can feel like a dead hand and something that i've been debating about is is super scroll better than enchantress like if you have the option do you take super scroll or do you take enchantress you know, I think you take Enchantress if you're trying to stop it because of what you just said. So take, you know, for a great example, this would be the number one played probably on going card if everyone had access, but Darkhawk, right? Darkhawk, super scrolling it, you're not getting much out of it. You're going to add maybe six power, which is fine, but they probably built their Darkhawk deck to just spam, you know, and, and get the Korgs and the Rock Slides, whereas Enchantress shuts it down. So... I would probably lean towards Enchantress uh, with that being said. I would agree with that. I would agree that Enchantress is probably the safer play, especially if like in just any deck, you know, the 4-4 feels a lot better, but uh, it's it's wild what uh, specifically Super Scroll will do to a Galactus player because you know what's a really common in Galactus decks? No. Null. It's one of your favorite cards in the game. I know it is. And you know who absolutely loves having Null's ability copied? Not Galactus players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, Noel is... So to finish up our list, I love that you brought up Noel. So we had Sarah, Red Skull, another bad card. Obviously one of the worst, but with him being tamed down, it's a lot safer to play. Iron Man, way up there as well on just a really good Super Scroll card. Darkhawk, and then Noel. And so, yes, that's what I was talking about. Like, he's just a good answer to so much out there, right? Devil Dino decks, Sarah decks with these Iron Mans that are popping up everywhere. The, the, the Bastriot decks, if you will. And then Galactus, uh, definitely a very unique card and one that has dropped series. I probably would not buy him with the tokens or, or pick him as my unlock. There's far better ones out there, but you know, you could be excited if you do grab them. Now with that, Alex, let's go ahead and go to our first subject. And that is the biggest winners and losers of the giant balance patch. We saw a lot happen between Shuri and Leech. And we saw obviously our first card we have to talk about as a winner, and that's going to be leader. Now, we can't really mention Leader without talking about, obviously, Sandman as well. I think both of these were giant winners in this patch. We'll get to Sandman, but we obviously have to get to Slim Shady first. He's back. Back again. It's Leader, man. And I think they did a pretty good job. A lot of his scariness, I think, right now is tied to our other winner in Sandman. But, you know, Alex, I think copying the enemy's highest power card played on this turn, and that also includes if they're tied in power solves a lot of issues it fixes leaders viability but then it also kind of keeps other cards in check like dr doom in a way what are your thoughts on leader and did they do a good job with this necessary evil and did they resurrect him from what was definitely the dead so the first thing is i'll say is i'm not sure if leader falls into the necessary evil uh, category like I, I i get where you're going with it but at the same time it's like we did kind of survive without him for a while, but then again, like if we had him, would the Shuri meta have been a little more, a little easier to deal with? It's an interesting question, I guess, right? It's worth noting that the original leader was ridiculously overpowered. 
the nerfed leader was ridiculously awful. So we have both extremes. This leader seems to be an excellent marriage. And I feel like it's kind of like a lesson learned from the arrow nerf because the arrow nerf was kind of the same arrow used to be like a catch all leader used to be a catch all. And then what they did was they kind of streamlined the effectiveness to like one particular card or one particular effect. And, uh, as a six, two, you still have to have initiative. So the rules still apply with what leader was intended to be right. Kind of like a, a good initiative, like leader makes the, the early game matter. Yes. Right, which I think is what I liked about the card. So I do like to change cozy. Yeah, I mean, the people that aren't going to like leader are the ones that are all in on the, you know, the combo heavy deck with their big card, whatever that might be. And we'll talk about that with some losers. But I do think it is necessary to have him. Uh, and it does. You brought up a great point. He is, he's now going to be a plug and play card for those cards that are focused on the early turn. I thought two power was perfect. Definitely is far from a lane winner, but at least can add a little something while also copying your opponent. And the person that would lose to the copy effect isn't seeing the games that the other leader player lost by not winning with the copy effect, right? There's plenty of examples where that's not going to happen. If you don't have priority, yeah, you're going to copy. If they play Hitmonkey and a bunch of Mysterios, then you're looking at maybe the mistake. It, it's going to mess up what you're trying to do without the priority. Uh, so it rewards players for, yeah, I guess, a little bit of uh, game management, if you will. Time will tell. I think he's always going to be a hated card because of the nature of what he does. But I do feel like this could and should be the perfect balance spot. I just want to say the other people I have as winners are tied to leader. And again, people, people know I'm a big Daredevil fan, but I think Daredevil actually got a lot better because of leader and because of the way the play style is going to work out. Not only because of the possibility of a turn five leader, which you can obviously do multiple things to get done, uh, but also setting you up for the turn six to then leader, right? Like get, this is, I think control leader is going to be in the meta in some degree. So things like Daredevil, and then honestly, I'm not saying to purchase it, we're going to rank it, uh, Ghost as well. A priority card, giving priority. You don't want the leader. You don't want priority with leader. Uh, so very interesting, but uh, these two cards I have as definite winners because of that. It's fascinating to think about how like one change to a specific card can have a huge impact on other cards, right? Like the change to leader really is a is a buff to Sandman, right? It really really brings Sandman up. Just like when I talked about prior, like weeks ago, we said like the nerf to arrow did suck. Like it was a pretty it was a pretty big nerf. But then again, if you're playing a wave five list or you're playing Sandman, suddenly arrow still makes perfect sense. It does exactly what you want it to do. Yep. And it just, it doesn't have a universal application where you just throw arrow into every deck and she just wins the games for you. You have to have a strategy for it. And I like that. I agree. I want to talk about Sandman though, because here's the thing about him. Okay. Sandman, again, we, we've talked about it. It's our job as content creators not to pump him up too much. We don't want him out there in the meta, uh, but it's too late. You know, I did my best decks at every rank series and it was funny. Sandman was in there a lot towards 80 to infinite. He was in there a ton. Electro Sandman ramp. Well, now with leader, you have multiple cards and that was the thing. You kind of had to rely on Dr. Doom and Odin for that to, to really pop off. Uh, but now with the introduction of leader, you have multiple win condition cards, Arrow, Leader, and now Doctor Doom, obviously, or now Leader, should I say, that can pop off and work all together. Sandman is a huge winner because of that. And I, man, we're going to talk about it on your side of the channel, but I think he is going to be way up there as the next villain card. As soon as maybe next Thursday or the one after that, they might adjust his power. It's funny you say that because I think that like 
they identified Sandman as one of the cards that like really needed a close eye, like Leech, Sandman. There's a couple that like you really got to pay attention to. Like these cards cannot be meta defining because if they are, then they're probably too strong or they're having like a really rough effect on the game. Sandman is one of those cards. And what's interesting to think about is I remember like, you know, the development team talked about how like we, there are release valves in the game. And Sandman is a release valve for those like turn six combo plays. Now, Sandman and Leech do kind of similar things. But when you restrict card play in a card game, you're playing a dangerous, dangerous game with your uh, player's emotions. I agree. Sandman at the, as the top deck is never a good thing. Sandman should be in the top decks to keep that counterbalance. But here's the thing, right? People that play those Hitmonkey decks, right? They hate Sandman. Those are the people, people on Twitter, the combo decks, the explosive decks. But then the people that hate those decks, they love Sandman. And it's the same thing. You can look at this in different areas. People that hate Wong and On Reveal play Cosmo. People that love Wong and On Reveal hate Cosmo, right? So it's this interesting, I don't know if I said that backwards, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It's this interesting wheel of hate and love that there's always going to be disagreements. Some people love explosive 10 cards on a turn and other people are like, no, screw that, man. I'm going to play Sandman and win with one card. For me, it's tough to be on the campus Sandman because I love creativity and wild finishes. Sandman seems pretty linear, but I think it's important that he is in the top-ish 5-10 decks. As for another winner, just a brief touch, I, I am going to say both. Uh, really, Darkhawk is in my book a big winner because he is one of the few decks now. Uh, he didn't get touched. He didn't get touched in the patch, nor did I think he should or would have. Uh, but because of that, he's going to have a really strong dominance, man. He's going to be uh, a relied on deck. Him and Devil Dinosaur are just like the two buddies that you can rely on now consistently. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of Darkhawk out there right now. Some YouTuber I follow releases like uh, Rocks and Hawks deck, and then now I feel like it's all over the place. <laughs> you know, I, I'd, I'd love to talk to that guy about, you know, how he designs his decks to make them uh, absolutely so soul-crushing, but I got to tell you, it's a damn good deck that wins games. I won quite a few playing that dark, uh, the Rocks and Hawks deck, my friend. It was, it was a solid one. Honestly, the list is just pure fire. It's so good. And like, I love the fact that you've been playing it for so long because like, even with like your, the list you presented and the way you presented, like it is so refined. Like it's so refined and like if you haven't watched that video you have to it's easy uh, it's easy cubes it's legit the, the, the title is not clickbait it is 100% factual it is such a damn good deck <laughs> and yeah I think Darkhawk is a huge winner to build his power you're in turn disrupting their deck and that's like the marriage of that is so beautiful and I think that's why he's going to consistently be where he's at and stay a really good card uh, but Alex with leader with Sandman I want to talk about who I think is a is a sleeper of a winner and that's Destroyer. Now, this used to be the kind of meme answer to Leader back in the day, right? But I do think Destroyer decks are going to make a comeback. I, I, whether that's with Sandman or not, this will be the way to handle Leader dependently. And having a Destroyer Sandman Electro deck, it's spicy. It's hot now because you they, they copy that Leader. It's game over. Absolutely game over. They're going to destroy their entire board. I think Destroyer, because of the recent changes to everything, is a winner and he's still good to play against the Sandman. Actually, it's funny you bring up Destroyer because Destroyer is one of those cards that I've seen like probably the most experimentation over the last couple of weeks because like it used to be just ongoing Destroyer. You play Destroyer, let's play the Armor, Warpath, Spectrum possibly if you had to, right? And like that was like the tried testing to Destroyer. Like you knew exactly what was happening. That was the meta months ago, months ago. 
And then it kind of just fell off. It got changed from uh, six uh, six sixteen to six fifteen. Can you believe it? That that <laughs> like it fell out. It fell out completely. One power completely took the card out. And now you're seeing with the emergence of Null in Pool Four, you're seeing some creative destroy lists. And I like it. I like seeing Destroyer being used in these creative ways. And I think that it's a really fascinating card. It's a really it's like an iconic card. Yeah, for sure. So this is definitely the the next deck guide I'll be doing. Something that I think. Uh early pool three players can capitalize on if they're stuck in, in a, a rock in a hard place. Uh, but another kind of sneaky winner that I had, and, and again, we might talk about them later, and I like it because I think they finally have a spot. They're like the perfectly balanced cards together, and that is going to be Vision and Captain Marvel together. These are the two Shuri cards now. These are the ones that I think are the Shuri cards. Having a 14 movable card doesn't matter if you play it on top of Shuri's lane, as well as Captain Marvel being a 12 bomb you can move around. I mean, heck, Captain Marvel, Shuri, Captain Marvel leader. I mean, you have a lot of solved answers in that one little, you know, combo there. I think they won because of that. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Captain Marvel vision, they're fantastic cards. And, uh, especially when you consider what the Sandman style effects and the, the mobility that you could utilize to really close out a game. And the thing I love about Cap Marvel is that cozy, honestly, sometimes I get tilted. I play like a total scrub and you know, who saves me? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel will save me more often than not because I listen, I love vision. Vision's fantastic. But like there's something beautiful about that end of the game state and having Captain Marvel just be like, I got you. I got you. You misplayed, but I got you. But isn't it great when she's like higher, further, faster, and she goes up and she goes right back down because you're like, oh, did I, are you going to save me? Because you can't do the math quick enough. And then she's like, no, I'm just, I'm going to go right back up and right back down and lose it. But yeah, she is a, she can be a game saver uh, for sure. And I think people that did enjoy Shuri, uh, this is probably going to be the card that you would want to play. Uh, Alex, before we move on, do you have any other kind of winners, losers? I think there's some middle ground cards, and I definitely have a loser that we haven't talked about that's near and dear to my heart. I feel like I'm the only one, the only one that throws this card out on turn one with like absolute confidence, and that's Ebony Maw. Ebony Whoa. Maw is most certainly a winner, and I'll explain why. You might be thinking, Alex, you're crazy, and yes, I am, but also Ebony Maw is a 1-7, okay? I very consistently throw it out on turn one, two, or three. And the thing I love about it is your boy, Jeff the Shark. Jeff the Shark gets right in there. You can play Jeff the Shark in there. You got all these options now. And I think that it really takes some of the edge off of Ebony Maw. So this new meta, I think Ebony Maw sees a little bit of value. And when you consider that you have the Sandman meta as well, Ebony Maw becomes a little more difficult to answer, especially when you consider that, you know, you got that Doom Odin package. I mean, that lane may as well be full. Yep, I, I do think he will. He is a perfectly balanced card, in my opinion, too, because he comes with such a con. He is one of those cards that go in your deck and you, you do have to build your deck around him, right? He doesn't slot into a deck. You have to make sure he fits, but that's what makes him great. And right now, because of the meta, I do agree. I think he is one of the better one drops. And it can't be understated how well this card synergizes with Dr. Doom, with Vision, with Captain Marvel. We just finished talking about these cards, right? These are insurance like insurance policy, safety blankets, whatever you want to call to allow that one seven guy. It's a one seven. Chavez is a six nine and costs six power. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's a one seven. So I mean like it, Maximus is a three seven and it gives your opponent two cards in a game where card draw is like near impossible. Like it is immensely powerful. And if you can kind of mitigate its disadvantages, and I'm not even going to bring up the Ebony Maw Viper combination, which I've been known to try every once in a while. I'm telling you, it's a good card. And I think with the addition of Jeff the Shark in the Sandman meta, I think it's making a huge comeback. Yeah, so I think that brings us to one that I'm sure plenty of people are going to be asking about. It's Lockjaw. 
Lockjaw, Lockjaw. And you know, when I read that Lockjaw got the change, it hurt, right? I was like, oh man, no, he got it. Like, I love Lockjaw. And then I read it. I was like, wait a second. I'm going to give him a winner and a loser. And the winner is probably what shocks people because, you know, what what possibly only having once per turn, how, how could that be a win? Well, take example, the Jane Jaw deck, right? Now you can cycle out your hammer on the last turn of the game. And then there's been so many times, Alex, so many times that I've wanted to play a card in that lane, but I'm like, don't, I don't want, I don't want it to cycle out. I, I need it to stay there for the power. And I think it's going to change the play style of Lockjaw. I would say the biggest loser out of all of them would have been Thanos, right? As far as the way that his play style worked with Lockjaw. Uh, but as far as Jaw himself, I think long term, this is a, this should be a good change. I absolutely agree. I think that it's a higher skill cap card. I think they added initial, additional complexity and depth to the card because what you have now is you have like play around options because before you're right. Like if you had to add power to the Lockjaw location, your only option was gambling. And like you, you could play Mjolnir and then you had like, well, I got to throw like a nice man. I got to throw something in there to try and pull something bigger. And now you can be like, I'm going to Mjolnir and I'm going to drop like whatever it is to win that location. And it's going to stick. Right. I think that's super important. Anytime you have a card that like has additional complexity, but also increases the skill cap, I'm all for it because Marvel Snap is it's so easy to get into. It's such an amazingly accessible game. But a change like this, I think in the hands of a truly excellent player, I think really elevates Lockjaw as a whole. I, I do. Yeah. I think it makes it a better like high skill cap deck. Obviously, Thanos did take a hit because Lockjaw Thanos was just finding all these breeds to control. Everything you could imagine in an archetype Thanos Lockjaw kind of worked, right? Iron Man was popping up in those decks. I'll say this, though. As somebody that has liked Thanos a lot and played him a ton, going all the way back to when he came out, I'm very happy for Thanos because I stopped playing Thanos because it pigeonholed him. He was only in Lockjaw decks, and that was like the main deck he was in. There's a couple ongoing decks. I love that now Thanos can enter in his own kind of realm that isn't strictly tied to Lockjaw. Although Lockjaw still being a good card to have with him. I know you're an absolute lover of Thanos. So I have a question for you. With this change to Lockjaw, do you think it'd be appropriate in the future to revert the nerf to the Space Stone? Because like now with Lockjaw being changed, I think there could be room to giving the original effect of Sp uh, Space Stone back. No, I hate it. I hated, the, I hated what it did to control and it devalued cards like Jeff the Shark or whatever coming out because you are able to move into any location with ease. And I think that ruins Storm. The control, I feel like, is at a good spot right now. And I don't know if it needs to lose that. Like, Snow Guard, these cards that are, like, built to go around control are there. So the Space Stone is... I get what you're saying, but I think I, I, I think the what they did with the Cloak Effect, it should stay. It's interesting you say that because like it's you're you're showing your your light, your kind of like your your pedigree as a control player, someone who loves control by kind of like taking that approach to it. Because where I'm looking at it, I saw the Space Stones nerf as less of an attack on like its ability to control the board state and more of an attack on its ability to clear the way for additional lockjaw procs, which is kind of the way I saw it. You play Space Stone and then you get to pull stuff out of the way and play more into the lockjaw and keep that engine going, which is obviously also disruptive to Storm and everything else you just mentioned. But I kind of wondered, I'm like, hmm. I feel like it's in a good spot and now it opens up. Thanos players, don't freak out. He's going to be back. It's going to take some time to find the best decks, and there's a couple out there, but I, it's not discovered yet. He will be back and definitely is a loser, but he will be fine, and I wouldn't worry too much if you did spend the tokens. Uh, now, Alex, I want to close off the losers in this entire list with probably the biggest one, man. He got caught by a straight bullet. It hit him. 
They were going for other cards. They went for American Chavez, and they ended up hitting one of my favorite cards in Snap, who's wildly underplayed, and that's Cable. And I have to say, with Conquest coming out, I am, I am saddened with Cable. Now, it says on his honor reveal effect, put the bottom card of your opponent's deck into your hand. That might as well now say, honor reveal, most likely put America Chavez in your deck. Which, by the time you pull Chavez on turn two, she already did her job of condensing the opening hands. Man, it hurts big time. And I, I really hope they just change it to say, pull a random card. I, I think that that would fix it perfectly. If it's Chavez, it's Chavez. But at least there's some RNG mechanics in there. I love what you said there, because honestly, I'm going to go a step further and say this This on reveal actually says on reveal, retreat this game and remove this card from your deck because like you're not going to want it. You're not going to want it. I would say I would make the argument that, OK, first of all, you don't want to pull Chavez because if you're pulling Chavez, then it's actually done its job anyway, because it's still reduced the hand like the, the deck size of your opponent anyways. And uh, that's usually what you want Chavez for. It can be used on turn six like there are decks where you use it. But generally speaking, that's not why it's there. So, yeah, overall, a good amount of winners and losers and a lot of like undecided, Alex. But with all this, we're going to go to our next subject and we're going to talk predicting the meta. Now, early days, very early days, in fact, Barely 24 hours after all the balance. And I always tell people, let it settle. Let it breathe a little bit because people are going to kind of quick jerk react and do their decks that they know are going to be good. But there's probably better decks out there now with these kind of big gatekeeping cards getting toned down, right? So let's talk the meta and let's talk decks that probably uh, for the next while are going to dominate. Now, we've talked to Electro Sandman. That's got to be <laughs> that. That is no question going to be a top two to three deck the way it's designed the way that it can be played and the accessibility of that deck it's going to be plaguing the ladders massively it already is it already is that will be until it is addressed or if it ever is addressed that's got to be near the top alex yeah, no kidding. And I think you hit it perfectly, by the way. You hit the nail on the head, Cozy, that the, the Sandman is like a pool two card. This is like an extremely accessible card. And that deck list as a whole is not expensive. And the other thing it has is cards like Dr. Doom and Odin, which obviously Odin's a, you know, a card that everyone has. And the other side is that Dr. Doom is on everyone's top tier list. Like everyone's saying, get Dr. Doom with your, with your, like people bought Dr. Doom. Like if you had tokens to spare, you were buying Dr. Doom. You were unlocking Dr. Doom for free. People have these cards. So they're going to turn to it. hundred percent. They're going to turn to it. So we're going to see a ton of it, but, and uh, we joked about it before. We're going to see lots of rocks and hawks as well. I think that uh, dark Hawk is going to be a riser, a huge riser. And I'd blame you, but it's a damn good list. We already joked about it. <laughs> yeah. I think devil dinosaur. Darkhawk, Rocks and Hawks, and also a separate decks, right? You can take those as separate. Electro Sandman, those are going to be very dominant right now and have a, a great place. Uh, and, but still, guys, I think Bounce Disrupt, I think Hitmonkey decks will still exist plenty uh, because those things punish decks. I mean, they those those decks can just slap, right? But obviously, they'll lose their, their matchups to Sandman if they happen to not get the cards out at the right time. Wave 5 is still very consistent, if not better than ever, I think. Wave yeah. five is amazing. Oh, it's I can't get, I cannot get enough of wave five. I love it. I'm trying to come up with unique ways of using wave five and like unique archetypes. Honestly, oh my god, it's so good. Wave five is so good and it's so satisfying because it's like it's like a Sandman. It is like Sandman, except you get to play multiple cards. <laughs> my biggest problem with wave five is that I I end up waving or she hulking before turn five. Like I'm like ah, you know, maybe I'll get my wave out because I'll build the deck to like how it capitalize on a couple wave cards, right? 
Uh, and then I end, I end up just playing uh, the wave early and stuff, but I like that. It gives you the option, and we're going to talk about the state of Sherry, but <laughs> we are kidding ourselves. I honestly, I can say this with confidence, I feel like they nailed it with Sherry and the fact that they didn't lead her, like they said, they didn't lead her Sherry, but she is now competitive, but not over the top, not even close to over the top, but she'll be great still. She's still a good card. Yeah, she's still going to be good. And you actually touched on something really important as well. We, we, we talk about release valves. Now, I love Shuri. We're going to talk more about it later as well, because I do think that the change was very, very, very good. However, what I will say is talking about release valves. If you're seeing a lot of Sandman ramp, Devil Dino, honestly, because those, those decks will not run Shang-Chi. You're not going to see Electro ramp often running Shang-Chi. If they are, they're, they're psychopaths. Like, I can't, you know what I mean? Like playing a four drop like that, it's crazy. And like, if you have, you know, big cards. If you're able to Moon Girl Devil Dino, like you're able to just absolutely clap the cheeks of Electro players because they're they're built to go wide. They can't go tall the way a Devil Dinosaur deck can. And I love that about this game. We're getting this like rock, scissors, paper meta right now that's starting to evolve. And I like that. I like that cozy. Rock, scissors, paper? Rock, paper, scissors? You call it rock, scissors, paper? Yeah, rock, scissors, paper. What, what do you call it? Is that what it? Rock, paper, scissors. I heard someone call it Rochambeau once, but I thought Rochambeau is when you kick someone in the balls. Now, that person was just drunk. Rock, paper, scissors, scissor, rock, paper. I, I, I like them both. Uh, but I, I, I get... It's funny, right? It's like Darth Vader at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi when he... It's spoiler, right? For, for a 40-year-old movie. When he throws Emperor Palpatine down, you're like, oh my god, the villain was a hero all along. The fact that Shuri might end up being the hero that we never knew we needed against Sandman because you can now do the Taskmaster combo and if you get leadered through a Sandman deck, first of all, the power outputs there with, with, with Sherry, right? But if you get leadered and you Taskmaster, no big deal. That Taskmaster is going to copy some other card, man. So I kind of like it. I think it's very interesting to see how that's all going to play out. And Shuri might finally find that place where it's not super hated by the community, isn't terrible, but isn't the number one deck, but is a top 10 deck. I absolutely love what you said there for multiple reasons. One, you're absolutely right. That like having a viable place where Shuri can actually contribute positively to the meta is something we really want. We didn't want the card to get deleted. And the second reason why I love what you said is it goes to show how skilled you are at podcasting because you, you managed to navigate us talking about kicking each other in the balls into an actual proper conversation about the meta relevance of Shuri. And like, there are very few people that would be able to do that. Trying to keep it on track, you know, just, just trying to go from balls to Jedi. It's, it's, it's what I do. With the Shuri uh, conversation, we have a couple more decks, right? So again, to recap, Electra, right? Darkhawk, top of the top. Wave 5, monkey decks with bounce. I think leader control Shuri. But obviously, guys, everyone's like, hey, Coast, are you just going to brush by him? Are you going to act like nobody hates this card? No, guys, of course I'll bring them up. Galactus obviously has a, is, is, is going to be a thing. And here's the deal. I'm not worried about Galactus because the devs have already talked about the game is not what they want if he's the top deck or near it. So he's gone. They, they will fix him. No question about it. In fact, I would probably be wary about diving into Galactus because of that. But right now, man, Galactus is in an insane, insane spot. And it's going to be something that we're going to have to figure out around. And he's just one of those cards, man. It just feels bad. Just is, you got to sit through the animation. You already know you probably, probably lost at that point. You try, you try to win. And then Spider-Man comes out and then you, you lose, right? So Galactus definitely up there in the meta report and just has always been there for the last, since he's come out, right? For a while now. And lastly, for the meta, I'll just throw up the Hulk because he can represent it. Reliable Patriot, man. Old Reliable. 
I think Patriot decks are fine. I think Patriot decks are still very consistently great. And I think they're going to be in the top 10 as well. Oh, Patriot's wild right now. I was actually going to bring up how good Patriot is. I think Patriot's definitely a climbing deck right now. There's so many different variations of it. You're seeing the thing and Abomination making comebacks, right? Listen, we've been craving a diverse meta for so long. So when I see Patriot out there, I'm like, hell yeah. This is what I want. Patriot was dead in the water two months ago. You'd never see Patriot. And like, you know what I'm really waiting for? And I, I'm, I was hoping Jeff was going to do it for us. I want, I want the days where Cerebro is the one that's overpowered. Oh my God, <laughs> if that'll ever happen. I think locations will always keep it in check. But yeah, I mean, Patriot, right? Oh no, Sandman. Oh God, who gives, who gives a rip? Yeah, you play Patriot, matter. Mystique, Ultron, game over. It's done. They don't have a Cosmo in the deck, right? So I think Patriot, yes, great place. And there's a couple knobs to turn. And then we're looking at probably the best meta that we've been in in a very long time. So those are kind of like my top decks at the moment. Plenty more can fit in there. Some great destroy decks, Deathway. There's a lot of great decks out there, but those are the ones that I think are going to kind of uh, really hold down the meta to start us off, Alex. No question about it. Alex, this is a great point. We're going to switch over. You can see in the middle here, we have our pool four and five tier list. And people, by now, they have some of the cards that they wanted, right? They have their Darkhawk. Maybe they have a Null Galactus. But then they're sitting on their tokens and they're like, I, I don't know what to get. What is worth it? So if you are an audio listener, we have different categories. We have S tier, which is an easy 6,000 tokens. Done, done. Put them away. A tier is the no regrets. No regrets, right? The purchase that you can get and you're going to feel pretty good about having access to that card early. Uh, B tier is wait till pool four. C tier is wait till pool three. And finally, we used to have the Mbaku tier. Alex? It's now the snow, snow guard, guard tier. Yeah, it is the snow guard tier, which is where we are going to start. Obviously, we can put them right here, man. Let's go ahead and start the ranking, my friend. And we're going to just kind of pick and choose. And we're going to start off with the Negasonic here. Just grabbing one right away. Where do you like Negasonic? Just gut feeling go. My gut feeling is at least wait till pool four. Could drop to pool three. I, I like the card. I have Negasonic. I think it's a really fascinating control piece. I love it. Like, it is really cool. I love how it beats Cosmo. It was a great counter for Shuri. I won lots of cubes off Shuri players with Negasonic. But at the same time, it is incredibly niche. Incredibly niche. But it is a fascinating card. If you enjoy the play style, I think you can get her. I think you'll like her. I think in control decks with Daredevil, especially like, hey, Leech, if they play Leech on five and you saw it through Daredevil and you have priority, boom, it's dead. And they wasted that turn. Uh, I think Negasonic's in the best place that she's been. Uh, but yeah, I think she's going to be a wait till pool four for the majority of players, unless you're kind of all in on a Daredevil deck. I would agree there for sure. No question. Sauron who I think actually has gone up in value because of the Shuri changes. And I think zero Shuri Shuron is going to kind of make its way back a little bit. He is getting very close dropping down to pool three, which is why I am going to have him in wait till pool uh, three at the moment. He's just not needed, but I think he will be, Alex. Uh, would you agree? Sauron's fascinating here, and I think that there's a lot of potential for decks where you have, like, Stature, for instance, where Stature is going to be able to, like, work alongside Sean. We have, like, Sauron, Stature, turn, turn six plays with Ebony Maw, which obviously you have one seven Stature as well. Like, it's crazy how much power you're able to put out, and I'm really interested in seeing what happens when Sauron drops down and more negative ongoing cards come out. I do agree 100%. I do think that it is a wait till pool three card. However, it's one of those cards I feel like it's going to age like wine because like as more cards come out, I think its viability is going to just only increase. I agree 100%. And with that, let's talk stature, man. I think stature was a card, again, I didn't talk a lot about because it was a new card and she definitely wasn't worth the 6,000 cost. 
Man, stature stature does slap, and I think there's a lot of decks that work with stature. I think she's only going to get better. Do you think she's worth it in pool four? I think if you have Shuri and you have and if you and or you like the way she plays and you like the cards that kind of synergize with her, I do. I think she might be worth it in pool four. Yeah, I could definitely see her being worth it in pool four. My experience is like Shuri into Black Bolt into a combo piece with Stature is a pretty awesome combination. But Black Bolt still feels a little underwhelming. Like you're often just like, I got rid of their Iceman. I got rid of their, like it feels a little bad. You're not hitting death like you might want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so Black Bolt feels like still a little underwhelming of the two, but Stature is incredible. Uh, quickly, we can blow through a couple. Uh, Dark Hawk is not worth 6K, but he was all of these at first. I am going to put him in the no regrets purchase. Wait till pool four is the same thing with him, right? But I do think he's a no regrets. And the earlier you bought him, the more you got to feast. He was at his crazy state. Now he's at his really good state and he's going to continue to be there, Alex. And I don't think he's going to get nerfed. I, I, I don't. I don't. I think they might restrain because um, I think there is counterplay. I think that there are ways to deal with Darkhawk naturally. Man, what a day one purchase Darkhawk would have been. Uh, let's make some also some quick fire, easy decisions. Dazzler is going to be a wait till pool three. Not necessarily a snow guard tier that's reserved for the special of the special, Alex. I think we can uh, both agree on that. We do have Noel. And I, I you know, I, listen, man, we could just do Noel and Galactus together. I think if you get them and now, especially it's an easy 6k, but it's the toughest one to place because I do think he is a tick ticking time bomb of an adjustment. And so it's going to happen. There's no way. I just, I know it's going to happen. So that does have me a bit reserved and Thanos has the infinity stones. He's got a lot working for him. Galactus, he does his thing. And if they mess with that too much, which they already kind of did. You know, you can't do a double hop Goblin Galactus anymore. That's gone. You can't do that anymore, right? So it's going to be interesting. Do you think Galactus is an easy 6K? I think we go as as of right now, and I think it is a yes. It's it's a yes because it's a it's a perma bad. Like, it's always going to be there. It's a big bad. It's always going to be 6K. So, like, you can spend your tokens with confidence, knowing that that thing ain't coming down. But the thing that's different about Galactus, to, like when you compare it to like Thanos, is that there is a hard ceiling on Galactus, mm -hmm. like a hard ceiling that it just will never cross because if it does, there's going to be a swift hammer that slaps it down. And I think that that holds it back in terms of value. Gal like Thanos had its run as the top S tier deck and it was vi and it's probably still going to be viable. Let's be honest. Galactus, I don't think will ever get to that point that Thanos got to because it'll get slapped down so fast. He's too polarizing. The play style, it's just too much. Yeah, I, I don't think he will either. Uh, and with that, Noel, I think if you do get Galactus, Noel is literally the easiest no regret pur purchase. If you don't get him, it's an awkward wording of B tier, but I, I would say B tier for, for Noel. Let's move on, though. Let's go on to Zabu and uh, talk about the gold standard of a nerf. Yeah, Zabu is a no regrets purchase for sure because like this card is so good. It slots into so many different deck archetypes, and uh, it just... It is like the golden example of how to tune a card to like my original reaction was, oh, I think they, they nerfed Zabu to the ground. I'm like, wait a minute. I think this card is actually still good. I think it slots into more decks than it did before. I think that this is going to be a good damn card. And sure enough, it's still holding the meta together. Yep. No question. Two Zabus here for the visual viewers. We'll get rid of that one. We're going to go to now Modok, who has dropped down to pool four now, and he is a key piece of discard. If you are a discard fan, I have no problem saying he's a no regret 
I have no problem. I can't even say I would wait till pool three because if you are playing, you're not buying Modoc if you don't play discard. And so uh, discard is a quiet sneaker. I don't know how we didn't mention it on the predicting the meta. I think it's going to be in the top 10, like maybe number 10, maybe number nine. Modoc's legit, man. Do you think he's a no regret if you like discard? I love I love Modoc. I think it actually does so much for discard in a way that I think a lot of people don't talk about. Discard was all about, it was like a casino style list. It was about like discarding things and just hoping for the best. And like, oh, well, you need to have Invisible Woman if you want to play discard. And that, Modoc throws that all out. Modoc is the consistency. It provides you with a very clear play pattern for victory. And I think that discard could really benefit from that. I, I love Modoc. If you're playing discard, Modoc is, a, is an absolute must have. I think the Modoc version of the deck list with like Morbius and Swarm and stuff like that is better than the Hella version. Oh, for sure. Without question, which makes him a no regret purchase. We're going to put him in the A tier. Uh, Ghost just dropped down, and I think Ghost's best days are ahead of her. But I'll be honest, I've had access to her since the week she's come out. I'm going to put her in wait till pool three. Do I think she's underrated? Yes. You do not need her in a deck. Even with leader and the crazy, you, you, you don't need her. And there are cons that come with that ability. I think it's a high skill cap card, and I would, I would say wait till pool three. It's a fantastic card, like, especially with the drop down of Valkyrie. I think that, like, Valkyrie is a great ghost combination, right? Like, you kind of really want that. But you're right. Like, you really have to be careful with how you design your deck when you have something like Ghost. And I feel like it's a card that, like, when I'm designing decks, I'm looking at Ghost, I'm like, this is the one you cut. Like, this is the card that gets cut because it just, it has a good effect, but they're, if you're not skipping turn one already, Right, there's going to be a very specific play pattern or goal you have for turn one because if you're playing five wave fives, you're going to want sunspot. Right, there's all these considerations, and ghost just doesn't quite cut it. Yeah, it's like even with the Valkyrie list, I, I would do Nightcrawler over ghost. I think I was like, eh, I could probably get more use out of this than the one time play. Uh, so yes, I would agree 100%. Let's move on though. We're going to go to Century, and Century was just buffed, and I think Century is in a amazing place dude he is really good right now he's really good he works in so many deck lists now and it's crazy to think that he is as viable as he is as a forecast he does have his cons there is a lot going on around him and you have to know kind of how to play him and how to na navigate his play style uh where do we have century man Sentry is interesting in the sense that, like, first of all, I've dodged pulling Sentry, so I've not had a chance to actually play with him. That's one of the few cards I don't have. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like the the actual play pattern of Sentry has been so wildly improved. It's crazy how much like of a switch two power on either side, of course. So it's like four power total does make a huge difference, right? That is a massive, massive swing of power on something like a turn six where you're playing Viper. Like we talked about the Viper play. But like if you play Viper on turn six, that's a huge power swing now. Like it is very different with that add additional power. So Sentry really did uh, got kind of buffed up, and he's obviously in pool four. It's hard to say, cozy. Like I lean towards it. I think you could wait to pool three with Sentry, but I think he's a very exciting pull if you pull him. But I don't know if I spend three k on him. I, I'd be interested in your because I haven't played with him. You have, so I'd be interested in your perspective. I would say, in the sense of stature. It feels like you're building this deck that does really high performance if you build it for that deck and, and he doesn't rely on too many other cards. The Viper play sitting a negative 10 over now is so good. He works with Valkyrie now, works with Destroy, uh, works with Invisible Woman filling up the lane. I think I'm going to give him B tier. I think he you could wait till pull three. You don't need this card, but as a card, I, I want to give him a B tier. I think that feels good about with his, his viability overall. If you've been on the fence and you like the junk play style, 
to add on to Viper, uh, I, I think Century could be a great addition to your collection. Uh, now, Nimrod will make it quick. He's worth the maximum of tokens at the moment, is going to be for a while. Yeah, he's a tough one to place. If Galactus gets hurt, it even hurts even worse. Uh, man, I have a hard time even saying pool four for now. At this moment, I, I, I do think pool three. Yeah, right now, I would not be spending tokens on uh, Nimrod. If there are changes, as you suggested, to any sort of the destroy meta, like Nimrod could come back. Right. But like, I mean, the nerf to Shuri impacts Nimrod to some extent, right? Because that was a combination that was often being played. Yeah, Nimrod, I, I don't know. I ain't spending tokens on Nimrod. Yep, for sure. Uh, we only have a few more. Thanos might be one of the most puzzling. I get people asking me so much right now. And going back to what we said at the beginning of the episode, I think Thanos will be fine. But right now, he's in a confusing spot, but he's a big bad. He'll always be the 6K tokens. Is he the number one thing you should spend your tokens on right now? Uh, maybe let some things settle at the moment. If you have Thanos, though, don't regret it. I think he's still going to be a good card. I, I have him as an easy 6K. I agree, because I think the thing that like we always come back to with Thanos, too, is that like this is a card that unlocks a completely new archetype that really plays Marvel Snap in a unique way. And I think that's important to understand. Like There is no deck like a Thanos deck. Like, you know what I mean? It does a very unique thing in Marvel Snap. And so I think that paying 6K to have a wholly new experience in the game is probably worth it. Knowing it's a big bad, knowing it's not coming down. And there's going to be new cards that come out that activate Thanos. It's going to happen, right? This is a deck that could, like, uh, the next destroy card could activate Thanos, right? It, it, the next ongoing card could activate Thanos. I think that it is probably a good 6K purchase. I would put it above Galactus, honestly. Oh, for sure, I yeah. feel like... Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think that Thanos is definitely a more reliable purchase than Galactus. With this current meta, I mean, it's, I, as you mentioned before, we're probably going to have to do an update to this in a few weeks because, you know, it's, things are changing fast. I mean, every week we're going to get a balance patch and uh, things are going to be changing. But I, I do think that Thanos is a pretty reliable, easy 6K. Now, moving on, Alex, we have a couple more. Uh, Shadow King just got his adjustment. Still going to put Shadow King in the wait era for pool three. I think he is better, but he's... Uh, still in an interesting spot. Better ways to spin your tokens. Uh, but he is not in the snow guard tier. He's not in the snow guard tier. So I will give him that. But let's talk now about Shayna. Someone who plays a decent amount. I'll say this. She's a lot of fun, man. She is a lot of fun to play. I like what she can do. Zulis really reap the benefits. However, mm, there's a lot that can go wrong. I, I think she's a pull three card for sure. She's fun, but she's she's... There's just RNG there. Yeah, she's a fun card. I think you can purchase her if you want to, if you want to. But yeah, I would wait till pool three. I have her like above, if this was left or right, I have her above probably most of these. Maybe everyone but Sauron here would be it. And again, I guess I'll adjust it at the end. This is not left or right on the, on the C tier range. But yeah, I agree. Wait till pool three for Shauna. Master Molds is our next card. And you know, man, hmm, talk about no regrets. But probably wait till pool four. Some of the best decks in the game right now that again, we didn't mention in the in the meta prediction, fold them and mold them or mold them and fold them. Uh, the master mold decks really good at the moment. Really, really solid. Yeah. So I actually pulled master mold. I was very fortunate to get it. And like, honestly, the card is great. It is a fantastic card. It opens up completely new avenues of disruption for your opponent. It's going to be a card that I think we're going to go to often as new cards come out, especially I think we're going to start targeting opponents hands a little bit. And master mold is always going to be an excellent tool in that arsenal. And it's a great card. And I do agree. 
It's no regrets for me. No regrets for me, but I would suggest at this point waiting until pool four. Yeah, he, it, I don't think it's like a dark hawk level of like you get him early, you get to use him early and abuse him early. He's great, but he is kind of works with other cards and I think there are some that can somewhat fill his spot, let's say in a junk or disrupt deck. Uh, Jeff the Shark, brand new. Not a lot to say. I, I don't think he's in either of these uh, categories. I would probably early put him in wait till pool four for now. And I think that could be generous. It could be, you know, wildly off. But I, I do, I feel like the games that I played him in, Pool 4, if you play that style, he's kind of where Negasonic is in my head. I agree. I think that he's definitely a wait, per, uh, wait till Pool 4 card, but I bought him and I don't regret it. I actually like the card. It's one of those situations, like for me, like I, I had the tokens to spare because I've been like, you know, very, you know, kind of hesitant, cautious to spend too many tokens. He was too cute. Like it was literally the card art, the the flavor of it. Like I had to get, I had to get Jeff, and I did. And I, I for me, I have no regrets. But I do agree that he is a very good two drop. He's a very good card. It's a shame because we're gonna see the Sandman meta, and I think an answer to it is Jeff. Like Jeff kind of helps out in the Sandman meta, but he's locked in pool five. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, he's no regrets. But I do agree a hundred percent. He's probably ultimately a B tier way for pool four. Yeah, and he's gonna continue to get better. He's a card that will age like wine, as you used before, and uh, pretty solid all around. I'm excited to get more playtesting. I haven't gotten to play with him enough, but that's my early ranking. Silver Surfer, I think, is a really tough one. I think that he's kind of like Thanos. He unlocks a whole new type of deck and playstyle. And with that, I think he is worth probably the, the, the tokens if that's what you want to do. And he's very versatile. I made a Silver Surfer guide. I think there's a lot of ways that you can play the Surfer. Surfer's excellent. Mm -hmm. I go back to playing Surfer as often as I can. It's one of my favorite archetypes by far. I think that the nerf, quote-unquote, to Silver Surfer is actually low-key a very good change, giving him the additional two power while reducing his impact across the board, I think, is fair. Because there, there was often times where you'd play Silver Surfer and like that dead zero power actually impacted the game state. Having that additional two power makes a big difference. I think if the card's in a good spot, it's viable. It's not going to be your S-tier deck, but it can get you an infinite. Yep, no question. And we end on Kang, who I think is getting better as people forget he exists. Kang is just a very... <laughs> people have their opinions on Kang. I actually think Kang is good. I think he's better than people think. Is he good for Snap? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, is he going to be good for Conquest? Definitely not. But I do think Kang is a good card. He's a big bad. I, I don't think he's an easy 6K, but I do think... Because he's a big bad, I would put him in the no regrets. He's not going to dip down. We can't put him anywhere else. I don't know. Kang's the weirdest one. Even while you're talking, I don't even know what to say because I feel like he... I, I'm in the camp he's bad for the game. Like I, I don't think he's good for Marvel Snap. I don't like what he does to the game state. I don't like what he does to snapping. I don't like what he does to conquest or battle mode. I don't... I just don't like what he does. And you know what the problem is too? We're actually getting to the point where like we can almost predict a Kang snap. Like uh, like they're in a losing board state. They just snap. Like there's a Kang snap. Like it, it's... It's getting weird. I would say the opposite. I don't think you could predict it. I think the longer he's out, people are forgetting about that. People bluff snap all the time. I think it's the opposite effect, but I agree. He's a very hard card to place. I think if this was like just a tier list off of like card value, he would be towards like the end of B. Um, he just feels like there's, it's like ghost almost, right? Like you know, I'd rather put something in than have this kind of like niche situation card. Now, Galactus, that's another story. I think he actually very much adds value to Galactus. That pay-to-win deck, the Null, the Galactus, the King, it's nuts. But I do think uh, uh, King, I don't know if this is going to be the iteration, the final one of him. We're just going to have to see. So this is our rankings, guys. You can see it. Uh, it's somewhat in order, somewhat not. But we have 
really well. I think it's obvious if you have tokens to spare and you don't have Darkhawk, you don't have Zabu, those are the ones to get like right now. And then I would say probably you could look into the, there's plenty of lists out there when cards are going to be dropping. And if you look at the the ones, let's say Century is going to be dropping, he's probably not worth it, right? I would save those tokens. But as for the rest of them, I think this is a pretty good placement. But overall, my number one advice is save your tokens for May and June. Because those cards, May and June's cards, which will be our next week's episode that we'll talk about, is going to be certified crack. And I cannot wait. And with that, Alex, we're going to go to the next subject. And your first subject, Shuri and her post-patch status. Is she still in the meta? And before we go into our subject, we have an amazing new card of the week. It is going to be a great discussion piece because it is Jeff the Shark. Okay, listen, Cozy, I got to be honest with you. I am half drawn in by not only its amazing effect, but how cute is this card? Like, literally, I'm being dragged into purchasing this card because it's so damn cute. I Day one, I bought the Ryan Gonzalez uh, variant. It, it was in the shop. I couldn't believe it was on the rotation. I had to buy it. I tweeted it. I was so proud of it. I know you're jealous. This card is so good, Cozy. What do you think? Dude, I came up with my best YouTube title of all time. Is he a two-cost MVP or just another fish in the sea? Like, I felt like that was... That's just, a good title. It was beautiful. Maybe not for clicking, but I just thought it was a good rhyming Dr. Seuss title. Uh, dude, Jeff is... The, Jeff is what I like about Marvel Snap. I think he brings what Marvel Snap's about, and that's like the funness, you know, the fun factor. And like, so many players got this card over other meta cards that they could have gotten simply because it's Jeff, because he's cute, because he is functional and uh, kind of does it all. It, does he have a bite? He's cute, but does he have a bite? And 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 I think yes, man. I, I gave him about a three, three point five stars out of five in, in his future outlook, man. Do you like Jeff? Yeah, I'd, I'd go higher than that. I'd go like towards four, maybe. Like I think he's he's not like meta breaking or anything, but like he's definitely a good card. Like I have no regrets spending the six k, especially with the prevalence of Sandman that I think is gonna be. Well, let's just say maybe Sandman might need a little slapperoony, but I think Jeff's a really cool card. And I like the idea. Like at first I was like, do I really want a card in Marvel Snap that's like bending the rules, breaking the rules? Because it kind of made me nervous. I'm like, how many times do we want to do this, right? Like how many times do we want to break the rules? But you were I think against it, works. it. You hated it. You did not yeah, want the rule breaking. And and I have the graphic that I have for my video where like these are all the locations he cheats into, and it's like, man, it's just it's great. It's so fun. Like, I actually get excited about these locations, which used to make me mad when I have Jeff. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Morag. There's Miniaturized Lab. I can mess around with it. And he is finding more use than I than I thought. I'm definitely not going to give him four stars. There's still much better two drops out there. But I do think he has a lot of versatility. And, dude, he fits into control. Like, of course, of course I'm going to love that. But that's what I like. The decks that he fits into also works with, like, what's going on with him as a whole. So like Sandman, he can uh, break the rules if you're going up against the Sandman. But it's also probably pretty good to play him in a Sandman deck. Or, you know, uh, not Spider-Man, that's probably the other one. But Professor X, you know, it's so great. You can cheat him into other X lanes, but then you can use him in your own. So love what he can do. That's one of the reasons, like, I think he's fantastic because, like, he just does things. He adds this consistency. And, like, one of my favorite cards is... Ebony Maw, and we talked about this prior, where like Ebony Maw is such a fantastic card, and Jeff's like, hey, buddy, you have that ongoing that everyone hates. Well, I don't mind, but let's come and cuddle, right? Like, I just think that Jeff is the ultimate flexible card. Like, it is, it has the ultimate flexibility. It can go anywhere. It can do anything. And in Marvel Snap, especially with the restriction of the locations, it's a good one, Cozy. It's a damn good one. Yeah, you know, they, we say it's a leveled up Nightcrawler. We don't say that lightly. We're not saying it's a leveled up Hawkeye. Nightcrawler is a good card. 
Right? You have a oh, really yeah. good card, and then you're leveling that up even better. I've been putting them together. You know how much it's how crazy it is to have all these moving pieces and, and having to keep up with that? Love it, and he does fit in a lot of archetypes. Excited for Jeff and his future in Marvel Snap. With that being said, Cozy, let's get started with our topic, which is Shuri, the post-patch. Is she still meta? Now, Shuri's in a really interesting spot. For those that don't know, it's been a uh, very unique change, and uh, it's one that I think makes a lot of sense, right? The, the fact that it's now basically ensuring that you have to play into a specific location does have a huge impact on the viability of Shuri, but specifically, specifically, Cozy, the counterplay to Shuri. So what has been your experience thus far? Yeah, you know, it's early, early time and days and adjustment, but I think they did a good job. Mainly, they took care of some big issues. Cosmo, and you can't hide behind Cosmo. That was, you know, you only can get so many cards in a game of Marvel Snap, and the fact that you could rely on armor and Cosmo, and it really helped you out. Now, armor's the only one that can protect that Shuri lane, and it hurt a lot of the combo pieces. You can't Shuri Dr. Doom anymore. Like, there's a lot of interactions you can't do. Mainly, anything with Shuri and, doc and Don Reveal effects. Which, to me, it's so funny, right? When you think Shuri, yeah, Wakanda, right? You love it. Black Panther. They don't even work together. It, it, it's so funny that Black Panther, I feel like they were designed to work together. And they can't anymore because of the possibility of Cosmos shutting that down completely, right? And or Black Panther wants to be in his own lane and now he has to be with Shuri so you can't Artem Zola that so those little interactions and then mainly uh Shang-Chi the fact that if you don't have priority no big deal you throw Shang-Chi in the lane that they have Shuri in you know it's going to be a big card it's most likely 99% of the time going to be higher than nine power and then you just destroy it and it's no big deal when you see shuri you have options you have counterplay they've added that to, to arrow in fact we're, we're talking up arrow but arrow didn't have counterplay in its prior iteration and now it does leader has counterplay now shuri has counterplay too because that's what was missing there was no counterplay it was the cosmo it was the shuri they would protect the big thing with the cosmo and you're just sitting there like what do i even do what do i even do i love that priority cosmo uh it, it, it can be Filthy with Shuri overall. So, and Shuri gives up priority a lot of the times. I think they did it perfectly. I think she's in a good spot. And then Alex, we talked about it on my side a little bit, but don't you love that Vision and Captain Marvel now come... Like, Vision was always good with yeah. Shuri, but I feel like, obviously, like, it wasn't Red Skull, so people were kind of leaving it by the wayside. Dude, a 14 bomb that you can move now? Love it. Yeah, and I think this was kind of the original intention. Like, I think the Red Skull crazy Taskmaster interaction, I felt like that was way too vertical. Like, it was way too good. And the idea of using Vision, I think, makes a ton of sense. I think that it is the greatest interaction. Like, I talked about even, like, like uh, Black Bolt right, is a cool interaction. I think that the way they've changed Shuri, specifically with the counterplay available, it makes it feel much more fair, but it also provides additional deck-building opportunities to like use some of these cards that could benefit from Shuri like like Black Bolt being a 16 is not insignificant especially when you follow that up with something like a stature which dropped down to pool four so like yeah Vision Cap Marvel these are huge the one thing that I kind of want to throw by you Cozy though is like I had this thought and I'm not quite sure how to like phrase it but like what happens to rescue now like it's kind of interesting because like you have they're kind of feeling not the same role but like you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to articulate this, but I feel like Shuri's kind of stepping on the toes of rescue a little bit. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. I think it's just a car that does something different. My Professor X rescue still works a lot. Heck, 
Zabo, uh, Zabu, and then you get Rescue Route, and then you play Shuri on top of that, might be one of the like the, the great interactions you can get done. And then you do Vision, right? Because then you would have a built-up lane, and you have your Vision, and you can get things going crazy. I get what you mean. I think Rescue isn't in a good stage anyway because of Shang-Chi being out and about right now. But, uh, you know, I, I think she just fits in a, a couple of other decks. Uh, but naturally, right, like Jeff just came out, and he's kind of like a leveled-up, Nightcrawler. So I, I kind of feel like that is somewhat intense and purposes. But yeah, it it's a, I, I get where you're coming from that, but I think they are going to work in different ways. I like the fact that they didn't change the doubling, by the way. Yeah. Like I had heard a lot of people were saying like, oh, max 10, add 10, add five and all this different stuff. And I was like, man, like I like the idea of the doubling because I feel like that's, it's like, it's not that it's iconic, but like it's unique. We want that. Iron Man doubles. Iron Man doubles. We, we have that type of interaction. And I felt like Shuri... It just needed that minor tweak, and especially with that counterplay. I think that's what Marvel Snap really needed. It, we need the opportunity to be able to say, okay, I suspect Shuri's coming out. I know they just dropped this play. How can I counteract it? Having the agency, which didn't exist before, but the agency to counteract their play, I think, changes the game completely. So I really like where it's at, and I'm happy they didn't even change the power. Yeah, the predictability... I think is also the biggest thing that happened. The fact that you can now predict it's going in that lane no matter what. Professor X becomes easier. You can do a uh, commitment. Uh, you know, it's such a lazy, it takes, it's so lazy. I see people like this changed nothing. I'm like, you've changed nothing about yourself if you think that Shuri is still where she was before. It opens up so many ways to interact against that card now. And I think the predictability just helps because you can double down on that lane. You can nope out of the lane. There's a lot of things you can do. That's where Vision comes in. If you want to have him in the deck, I think he does provide the next turn to be able to move him around. You don't know where he's going, but you're committing. You know, you're committing the next turn to that. And so the predictability with the counterplay is that perfect blend that I think is what we talked about. We want double power to be... Big power will always be a thing in Snap, right? They can't be the only thing and the top, top, top thing. I agree 100%. And the thing about Shuri is I think it's still going to be a good deck. It's going to be a, still a good archetype that people can go to. Like, And I think this is important. I don't know if this will be a popular take, but people had spent their tokens on Shuri. And I think it's okay to still give them a card that functions. We didn't want leader. Like leader, if people spent 6K or 3K tokens on Shuri, now it drops to pool three. Everyone gets access to it. And then like, hey guys, guess what? It's garbage now. Like that is frustrating. Like they can't do that. Like that can't happen. It has to have some semblance of being a legitimate archetype still. Because it's, 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 it's important that you're able to like play the card that you spent your tokens on and have it be an actual reasonable option and i think they did manage to do that but they also said if they need to do more they'll do it listen i don't think ben broads on his spiked castle darth vader looking lava pit and he's like all right when it drops down to pool three that's when we do it. that's when we pull the trigger i'm sure and call me naive i think that it's a bummer on their end too i don't think they're they're like yeah we did it we lined it up perfectly guys um i do understand comments of people upset about that but the naive nature of saying never nerf a card because I bought it is is terrible for the game. The game would die if you don't. If it, the game would die faster if uh, you keep things the same and nothing changes. And it what we were not seeing the game die. We were seeing it get stale, and that's not what you want, right? So I think it all lined up pretty well. And I agree, man. If they can, man, they've been they've been killing it. Zabu, Surfer, and Shuri are just textbook how to nerf a card.
And what I really like too is that they're in, they're implementing the tools to prevent this from happening again. Like they're taking steps to ensure that if the meta goes the wrong way, if it goes south, or if a card like Shuri really starts to take hold, that they have answers for it. And I think that's super important because like now you're seeing a future, as we said before, which is far brighter than the past, because if we have a card that takes over, they are going to be prepared to answer that. And I do think that ultimately that is how you keep the meta fresh. You keep things interesting. And once it gets solved, you're able to adjust those numbers, whether it be over the air or otherwise, they're more prepared now than they were prior. Yes. And if you got, if you were one of those people that got Sherry and you're listening to this, just know uh, Darkhawk got nerfed as well, right? And when he got nerfed, people were so pissed. I just got him. Can you believe? Guys, Darkhawk has been just destroying the meta a while now, right? He's still well worth it. I think he's a great indication of where Sherry's going to be. It's going to be a good card. He's uh, maybe not, maybe not as good, but a great, great card that you can still have deck design around. So don't feel too bad. Yes, you're not going to get the easy dominance and it's good. It's gone, but it's still going to be good. That brings us to our next subject, Cozy. And I think that we bring up very often in Marvel Snap that fun and the fun factor is an incredibly important consideration. And I think that there's nothing more kind of like polarizing in Snap right now than bots. Bots in Marvel Snap are something that, first of all, are probably not going away, but might need to. I'm not sure what to make of bots sometimes, but like it's one of those things where like I think we have to have a discussion as to like the benefits of bots in Marvel Snap, but also the, the bad parts of what bots are doing negatively. And overall, like, are bots a necessary evil? Oh, yeah, they're definitely. Let, let me start the conversation. They're not going anywhere. Bots have no. to be in Marvel Snap, like period in a discussion. Why, Cozy? Why? It's the cubes. They've already talked about this. It's the cubes. They need to inject cubes into the ladder to give every player a chance to be able to climb. That has to exist. That's why they're going to be here. Now, up to what limit, right? You know, I think people have talked about, you know, cut it off at 90, cut it off at infinite. Uh, but because of that injecting cube, it has to exist. There's only a finite amount of cubes, right? And then that's not even talking about the runtime. So I see, or like, you know, waiting for a game. I see people like, I don't want bots in the game. You can't, you have to have them. And they've already said they're going to have them. However, there's a lot of discussion around them that I think is super healthy to have. Uh, but I wanted to just start there. I'm sorry to pop the balloon so quickly. But I just, I feel like it's it's necessary for the, the way that Snap's designed. Yeah, no kidding. And I think that one of the key elements of Snap is like the opportunity to get a quick match, to have an enjoyable experience. And um, honestly, like I am at a point right now where I don't get many bots. I'm actually like, you know, on the climb, like if I get a bot, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like I need a bot. I need an easy game here because like I'm trying to climb, man. I want to get to infinite. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally at like 90 something right now and I'm, I'll, I'll get there. But like, it's like fighting player after player after player after player, especially when the matchmaking's working and you're getting players of comparable skill. Those are, those are 50, 50 games. You got to earn those cubes, damn it. And like, sometimes the bots can be a bit of a reprieve where it's like, you know, Hey, we've got a bot. Let's see what kind of dumb crap they're going to try and pull here. And then of course they go clear full clairvoyant on you and steal your eight cubes, but that's when you put the game down for a while. But anyways, I do think that the bots have a very interesting role in Marvel Snap, not just from a standpoint of like getting those quick matches, but I think they help ease players into the game too. I think that like what, before level 30, do you just exclusively play bots? I yeah, so before level 30, you exclusively play bots, which is super helpful. Nobody wants to, can you imagine going in and getting slapped by Sherry Red School? You know, like four games in, you're like, F this game, dude. Like, I don't care how much I like Marvel. So they don't happen before 30. And what's cool too is there's like multiple bots, right? Like you have, they're kind of adjusted to your skill level and your collection. 
and it works with that. That way, you know, again, you're not level 31, and all of a sudden you play in a bot that's like throwing down like Patriot Ultron, and you're like, what? what's happening? I haven't even seen these cards before. So they're getting better. The thing about bots, uh, Alex, that I think is crazy, I don't know if you've like looked into anything with like AI and, and kind of where it's going. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Jay-Z songs are getting pumped out, and it's not Jay-Z. I mean, it's insane, right? How it's getting smarter. Their goal is to design bots to be as human as possible, right? And I like that. I think it's important. I don't like playing bots. I love playing humans, mainly because I'm recording a lot and I want to play human because I want to be able to have the natural like ladder experience. And I actually sometimes like, I just love playing against humans' minds and bots don't have brains really, right? But anyway, it's cool to see that they're adjusting bots to be smarter and it's going to be interesting where they're going to end up. Sometimes it's a bit of a reprieve to play a bot because like, it's just like I get to turn off a little bit, just kind of go with it. But you're right. It's not a rewarding game experience, right? Like I, I want the cubes just like anybody wants the cubes. But realistically, it's not It's not the same thing. When you play against a player, uh, you're able to, to trick them. You're able to play those mind games, which I know you absolutely love. It's a completely different play pattern. And as you start to get higher in rank and as you get better, you get these clairvoyant bots that just outright cheat. And it can be extremely frustrating and Oh, the retreating now too. It's like, oh, they did the math and now they just walked and they, you feel totally scammed. It's like you have all, you have, it's like sometimes you have everything to lose. And then they just, then they just do a stupid play where they drop everything on the one lane for no reason. Like they're so weird sometimes. And I think that if they were more consistent, maybe they would be less frustrating. Yeah. And you know what though? The fact that they've stated that conquest isn't going to have bots is it. It's what you're looking for, right? Like you have the ladder climb and you have the conquest climb. If you don't want a bot, you'll go do conquest in a month from now. And I think that's like the right balance, right? Like you're going to have to wait longer. It's going to have to happen. And I get like, guys, we're not out of touch here. I understand either the frustration, all frustrations that are there for bots. The biggest issue they have to figure out, Alex, no question, is that they're bringing in a meaningful leaderboard to infinite. They're, they're bringing one in and you're going to have skill ratings and it's going to go up in MMR as you win, right? But you can't make that number meaningless. And that number is going to matter a lot. I know a lot of casual players don't care, but competitively, that's what drives games a lot of the time. And so you can't go up in this skill ranking if you're beating bots or else we're exactly where we were, right? And so they need to either eliminate bots in infinite or have it to where the bots don't affect said skill rating or like, you know, you have to beat those players that are above you in MMR or whatever that might be. Absolutely agree. Like it definitely does compromise the integrity of competitive play, especially if you're doing it straight up on the ladder. That's why it's a great point that it's not going to be in conquest. Because if conquest is going to be a very specific thing, as they as they discuss having that like three win kind of uh, play pattern, and you can't have bots because like it just it just does not make for a positive play experience. It's not a good competitive experience. One thing I want to ask you, Cozy, and this is kind of like one of the inspirations of this topic today, was like I had this train of thought where I was like, so. Second Dinner makes a concerted effort to try and mask the fact that someone you're playing is a bot. They try to give it a random name that might not be like in beta. It was like Robert, Charlie, and they've gone away from that. The names are completely random, right? And I, I mean, that's a good thing, I guess, because you can't really tell. But at the same time, do you think it is better or worse that you can't tell if you're playing a bot? Because like, would you rather just know that it's a bot or would you rather just not be quite sure. I get it. I get both camps. It's better though. Yeah, you can't. You, you don't want to know if you plan a bot or not. I think that would devalue a lot. There's certainly been games where you think you won. You, you just walked away a champion. And if you would always take that away, that'd be a bummer. At the same time, it'd be nice for climbing purposes because it'd be easy to exploit it. 
I think it's got to stay the, the we don't know. Also, this game is still relatively new. They can work on the bot AI to the point where it becomes less obvious. And they have been taking steps in that direction, you know, with the, the way that their cards are. Like, we often try to identify the types of splits they have to see if they're bots. Once those indications start to disappear, then there's a good chance that the, the difference between a player and a bot, that that's going to minimize a little bit. Right. And when that happens, then like, I guess maybe it's just a moot point. Maybe if they're good enough and they're able to emulate players enough, then, uh, then maybe it doesn't really matter. But like, my concern is that bots clearly have a role in Marvel snap. It's just, it feels like sometimes they're a little damaging to the laddering, the laddering experience specifically. Yeah. I think, I think conquest solves that answer. I think again, they have to be able to inject the cubes. It's a worse world without them than with them. And, I don't know. They don't bother me all too much. I think if you have like a really bad string of games and you're playing like multiple bots, then it is a little bit annoying or whatever. But yeah, I, I do think they're important. I think they are an integral part of how they design the ladder to be. On another episode, I think it'll be worth talking about how to identify a bot because I think that's an important skill too. And it's constantly changing. And I just mentioned before, like you can take a look at the, uh, you know, the cards and the the splits and stuff like that, but we'll have to have a good conversation about that in the future. In the meantime, I think we got to focus some energy on the next Shuri, which is our next topic, because listen, we know, we know that us as card gamers, we like to get a little mad. We like to get a little spicy and uh, Shuri took the brunt of a lot of anger for some time, Cozy, and uh, it was deserved. Cozy, it was deserved. Shuri needed some heat and it got brought down. It got brought down, but I think that when one falls, another rises and we're going to have a discussion here about what could potentially be on the future onset of the cards that are going to piss everyone off. And Cozy, I'll give you the floor here to get us started. Yeah, the, the villain of Marvel Snap of the Month. Not employee of the month. I want to go all the way back. And we don't have to go to beta, which you could, because there was a lot of cards in there that were the, the villain that, you know, the community got together, which is more important in beta because you're, you're fixing the game that isn't tuned up yet. But since the launch of Snap, there has been a villain, right? And not being an avid, avid card gamer... Yeah, I didn't know. Apparently, like, there is always going to be the torches for the next card. What I'll say is, if you go all the way back to December, let's let's start there. That was definitely the leader in the death kind of era, right? So you had leader being called for, and that magnified, and that headed into January. But in January, Alex, who did we, who did we get? Well, Silver Surfer found his time. So Silver Surfer was the new villain. They got rid of the uh, the leader, and then Zabu made his way, right? So... If we look at these cards, I'm on the mob side in the sense of, with justice, these cards needed to be brought up, right? Like, the, those were all problematic cards, and they have been now adjusted for the better. If you now, like, look at leaders change, right? We are now full circle. Zabu, surfer, leader. Thank God we came together as a community, passionate community, and said, hey, these cards need to be changed, right? And then we've joked about it. That there's going to be the next card and the next card. So we had Leech, and then we had... Now, Shuri. So, would you say that's accurate? Is there any cards I'm forgetting in there that was, like, the most hated? No, you're definitely right. Like, that is a perfect kind of uh, history lesson on the cards we've hated in Marvel Snap. I remember during beta, like, it was Hella. Hella was absolutely pissing everyone off. And, like, come launch day, like, no one's playing Hella. Like, Hella ain't causing problems. And it was, uh, it kind of got to the point where it's like, you know what? I was actually kind of surprised that Leech got touched up. Because, like, Leech kind of fell off. Once the Thanos changes happened, uh, happened. Leech was kind of, I wasn't seeing much Leech. Like, were you seeing lots of Leech? Yeah, you, no, but I think like, would he become a problem again? Probably. And of they, course. what yeah. they did is really good. Uh, Leech was, is like Sandman in the sense of like, when he gets popular, 
it just is not a fun snap, right? And I think they wanted to nip that in the bud, and I think they did. They did a good job. Uh, so it is interesting because there are two camps, right? As positive as I am and as much as, I, guys, I, I can't stand. And maybe I get a blunt of it because just people use my comment section to vent their anger. I, I don't love that we have the mob mentality of a new card all the time. But if you look at every single card that had the mob mentality, it's for the better that those cards did get adjusted. I don't think there's a card that did that I'm sad about. It was leader, but now we're good. Yeah, and I'm just going to say this too. I think I've brought this up in the past, but like you can kind of like understand that like some of the hate that you see, like people like, I hate leader, I hate leech. It's also a form of love because they're showing that they love the game enough to actually provide feedback and discuss it because if they didn't love Marvel Snap, they would just uninstall and they'd go away. But instead, they're like, no, no, I want to play more Marvel Snap. I just don't want to see leader in every friggin' game. I don't want to see leech in every friggin' game. And uh, now they're going to be like, now I'm seeing Sandman in every friggin' game. So it's like... um. I like the idea that people are impassioned enough that they want to give their opinions. And let's get started with the idea like, okay, Sandman's going to be like... Dude, yeah. It's, the torches, it, it has to be Sandman, right? The torches from the mob of Shuri didn't even get put out. They were putting them away. They're like, Shuri's been... We did it, guys. We did it. All right, let's... And then they're like, hey, we can save on fuel if we just use the same torches and get mad day one about the next... It's it. This was probably the worst I've seen it. We're day one, we had people complaining and it, and it's, it is... With such a, a huge patch that addressed a lot of the hated cards, Sandman is no question the next Sherry. Oh, 100%. There's no question about it. And I love the analogy used. To me, like, I picture it as like, do you know the Olympic passing of the torch? Shuri, like, ran up, like, the street with the torch, right? And passed it to the Sandman. And Sandman's like, thank you, Shuri. Yep. And just like, now it's like, just, what would Sandman do? Slither? I'm not even sure. Sandman goes like this and kind of like, Uses you know, goes with the move. torch. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I got the torch now, fools, come at me. And Sandman, the nice thing about Sandman, Sandman's like, nah, come at me. I'm going to destroy every game of Marvel Snap till I get nerfed to the ground. Well, here's the cool thing too, because we talked about this on my side of the channel for a couple things. First of all, we're Sandman and or our other villain, which is 100% Galactus. When those two are the top decks it's not good it's not good no. we need them to be in the top decks but not near the top or not the top right so there's this kind of balancing act the great news about sandman though is i do think an ota and over the air change is going to fix them opposed to an ability change obviously so you have that going for you but it is funny and we said this on my side of the channel guys the people that love those combo cards right they hate sandman of course man they can't flex to their friends but then the people that don't like going up against those decks like them. It's like a Pokemon. It's like water, fire, grass. You need that little triangle going on. And of course, the people that are going to complain are the people that are in their camp of like water type, screw grass type, whatever. I mean, there's always going to be that triangle. And I think it's important to have that so long as there's like eight decks in that kind of loop. There's cards that are like release valves. They release specific elements of Marvel Snap. And I think the problem with Sandman becomes that like, okay, it's a release for those turn six combos. But when it itself needs a release valve, uh, maybe it's a little overtuned. But then again, like it wasn't a problem until like just recently. And like, I mean, Jeff the Shark answers it. Jeff the Shark does provide some sort of answer, but it's in pool five and it's 6K tokens and it's not available to everybody, right? So... Sandman is gonna piss people off. I'm, I'm already ready for it. It's so funny. It's like things happen with the evolution of Snap. I don't know when I made my thumbnail about Dr. Doom and Patriot, but that first introduced Sandman being with Doom in my eyes. I, I'm sure a billion times before that, but 
you just saw Doctor Doom and the Odin thing really come into light with Sandman maybe a couple months back. And it was a good deck. It was, it was a top five deck in the last meta, probably. You could see that from the rank stats alone. But now, you combine the, the people knowing about Doctor Doom and Odin. I think if you got rid of that one interaction, the power of... And they're not going to. They're going to adjust Sandman. But the Odin on reveal craziness is what is making him so crazy to go against. Sandman's one of those cards, like, as a 5-5, five, five, it puts up enough power to kind of hold its own lane a little bit. Like, it's not it's not power deficient, right? It's not like Wave 5 where you're putting 3, or Leech 5 where you're putting 3, and you're trying to follow it up in an, another way on turn 6. Sandman comes down, that extra 2 power is not insignificant, right? It's also an ongoing. So theoretically, there could be a potential combo with Spectrum, but it's not happening because you're seeing the ramp into the Sandman, into the, the Doom, into the Odin. It's just too clean. The deck that it is attacks is the opposite of its playstyle, right? Like with Sandman, it is designed to get power out early, spread it out, get yourself grounded before you play them. And the, the decks he attacks are those combo decks that are looking to really, they don't have to do much at all. We've seen decks that turn five, turn six, that's all they need. Turn six is all they need sometimes. You throw a Zabu in there and Sarah and then you're done, right? So it is, it's interesting that the play styles are so vastly different, but I think that's what's important about it. Uh, but yeah, man, he needs to go down. What do you think? A five three? I mean, he was a four two prior, and I thought I think that made things really awkward. He was an awful card, impossible to play. I think that I think they would start it as a five four, but like, is it even the power here? Because it's like legitimately one of the most impactful effects of the game. Is it really the power? It's kind of electro in a lot of ways. It's a lot. There's I don't know. It uh, electro. If you look at Galactus and you look at electro ramp, I mean. I, you're talking to a guy that got you into Electro. I remember the early days of the Snapchat. The ramp, I am a giant ramp fan. Is Electro the deal? I, I don't know. I don't know. And Sandman has to exist, so uh, yeah, I don't know if it's the power, if it's the interactions. He'll be a tricky one, but I think you can you can mess with his power to start, and that should be a decent spot. I agree. Starting with the power is where it's going to be, but uh, this card is going to piss people off, unfortunately, and it's... Uh we're only just getting started. We're only a few days in and already, as you said, there was a, there was vitriol that first day or two. Like people were pissed with Sandman. But I also think you're seeing a lot more Sandman because people were also experimenting with Jeff the Shark. And like they were trying to test that interaction as well. You always see that like that first initial launch wave of something that's kind of people are excited yep. about. Season pass card or whatever. People will like will really force interactions with specific cards. I bet you by next week it'll calm down a bit, but it's entirely possible that I'm wrong. Um, no, but no, what, you, what you're saying is true. He was the easy pivot deck because he was already doing so well. And now he answers like what would have rose with all this, which is like the hit monkey stuff and the, and the Sarah dumps. So I think it was the easiest option to go to. Um, but I do think, he, again, ultimately, there's going to have to be something looked at. It's kind of interesting. Like I love Electro, but like he kind of works like Mr. Negative that he's giving you this cheat, right? He's giving you this way to play massive, massive cards. The two power on Electro, I think, is going to change. Now, the more I think about it, why does Electro need to have power? I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like because of what he unlocks. And I'm not calling. I don't, I don't need the comments down below being mad about this. It's more of just like bringing up the conversation, right? Like, is it, is it him? Does he need to go down? Maybe not to a negative one like Mr. Negative. But like, you take the hit. On turn three, you take the hit because you're playing Electro. But then, you know, maybe uh, you, you get to have these crazy interactions after that. I see where you're going with it, but at the same time, like, the hit is the ongoing ability. Like, we're talking about how Sandman is so rough. Like, this is your own Sandman. You've chosen this life, but that's kind of the difference. You've built your deck to take advantage of it, right? It is a considerable disadvantage. Like, it's it's huge, the disadvantage. It is, so, but like, it's I, not when you have the deck. 
Like it, it You're is, right. but like, no, it's not. There's no deck that's built around Electro that does not have the purpose of growing to a five cost card the next. And I'm not saying Electro should be nerfed. I'm just bringing up the conversation, right? Like, I think there's not, yeah, I, I don't know. You're not playing Electro Zoo? What's wrong with you? But I, I totally get what you're saying, though, right? Like, it, 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 you mitigate the disadvantage with the design of the deck, which makes perfect sense. It's exactly why you'd play a card. Like, if you're playing Electro and you're playing Zoo, then, like, dude, like, put put away the brewski. Like, you got to have a break. Go for a walk. But, like, yeah, like, obviously, Electro, you, you compensate for that with the deck design. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it went down to a 3-1. But, like... I don't know. I don't know if it's if Electro's the problem. It might just be Sandman because yep. like Agreed. I don't know. It's, Agreed. it's a very interesting conversation. But Electro does does activate Galactus, which is probably the second most hated card, which is probably gonna get people riled up. And I mean Galactus is always on the radar. I try to avoid talking about Galactus too much in my meta deck reports because like people are actually so pissed. They're like, Alex, stop telling people how to play Galactus. Stop showing people viable Galactus decks. I don't want to see Galactus anymore. And it's like, I get it. It's 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 probably the most polarizing card in Marvel Snap right now. Like with Sandman, Galactus infuriates people. You know what's interesting though, is like as we go to next month, there's the Living Tribunal that adds the power of lo one location. This is what it's data mined to be. And it, and it, you know, spreads that across all three. So that's where like you kind of need the Galactus, right? If this guy's just going to Iron Man onslaught it out, it's like, all right, well, those cards are going to die, right? <laughs> like I'm going to play Galactus turn six, maybe, right? So he probably serves decent purposes as well. It's so funny because in one hand, he just, he's so perfect of a big bad. He's so unique. I love it. But he's just not ultimately a card that needs to be the top deck in the game. It just doesn't. It, do agree. it doesn't need to be. He, he can't be the top deck of the game. It'll never be the top deck of the game. It'll get smacked down so fast, it'll never reach there. And it came up during our tier list discussion, right? It's the reason why you can confidently buy Thanos, but you wouldn't confidently buy Galactus. Galactus provides a really unique playstyle. It's a bit of a trolley playstyle. Like, if you like upsetting people and smashing the Miss Marvel, like, you know, then, like, yeah, get her done. But, like, Galactus will never be an S tier deck. Well, and that's the thing too. Like you're seeing a lot of Galactus. I think that's what's annoying is you commit so much time to play. It's not really that much, but you commit a lot of time to playing the match, right? And then you see Galactus. I'll be honest, dude. I can't confidently tell you the last time I lost eight cubes to Galactus. I, I Unless it was for like for the content or whatever, because it's pretty like uh, default. They have Noel, they have Shang-Chi. If you go in with that knowledge and you don't have priority, then it's over. If they do with the Spider-Man, get the hell out of there. Like, most you're probably going to lose is two cubes unless you snapped early. I agree. Even if you're, like, excessively inebriated, you can probably, pre like, predict that Spider-Man play on turn five. Like, you know it's coming, right? Like, Spider-Man turn five, null turn six. Like, the Galactus player, and by the way, every Galactus player is, like, inkified gold Galactus. Like, they love their Galactus, right? Like, hey, how many inked <laughs> Galactuses so do you see? Like, these guys play Galactus nonstop. And uh, they're getting better. They're getting better. They're getting craftier. But, like, when I see Wolverine wave, I'm like, all right, bro. Like, all yeah. right, bro. Like, what, what? Like, thanks for coming out. Here's your cube. It is true. Um, but they definitely, they definitely flex that they play a lot of them. And, and honestly, if I wasn't contemplated, like, I don't blame you, man. Hop in. You paid a lot for the card uh, token-wise. And, you know, you've learned the play style and you just, you know, go go kick some butt. It is interesting to see, like, with Professor X getting better, too. Like, with Jeff and, like, uh, Leader and Control Decks. Like, is that just the answer? You telegraph it and you're like, hey, play your Galactus, man. <laughs> Professor X, it's over. Game over. Game done. Yeah. Right? Game set match. So, I think, again... Things have to flesh out. Things have to kind of... We have to let the meta solve itself. 
I don't think flesh out is that the flesh out, flesh out, whatever. And we have to let the meta kind of solve itself before we get the torches that we just put down, guys. I agree 100%. And I think that Galactus ultimately will be a card that, like, they'll keep a close eye on. It'll never quite get to the point where it's, like, completely destructive, but uh, they'll keep their eye on it. And one card that I think that they did keep their eye on, and they did nerf, and I originally was like, oh, this nerf, I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm not surprised, but, like, did it kill the card? It obviously did, and it's Darkhawk. I'm going to put Darkhawk out there. Now, this might be a hot take, but I think that Darkhawk might end up picking up some flack here because it is just such a good card it is so good it might be the best series 5 card that i've ever purchased i purchased a series 5 mostly because you called it man you called it you said this card was going to slap i was like cozy never misses i bought the card and it has served me absolutely beautifully this card might be the ire of a lot of people though yeah i don't I don't know. I I personally am going to be on the camp of I think Darkhawk is good where he's at, but because it's not him that's winning the decks, it's that he is slotting with things like Devil Dinosaur, right? It's like the combinations of just like really, really good cards. Because here's the thing too, like if you get Korg and Rockslide and you don't get Darkhawk like, and you just have a Mystique, like bummer. If you get Darkhawk but you don't get Rockslide or you don't have a way to get out more of these things, you know, big bummer, right? There's ways that you sh can Shang-Chi him if you try to build him up too early. You can also Rogue and Enchantress him. You can Cosmo the Corglet. I think there's a lot to handle him. But that doesn't take away from him. Like, to me, he feels like Devil Dinosaur. He's the exact same. He's a great card, man. Yeah, he's a good card. And you're right. I think the package really activates him. And, like, from my experience, when I'm playing Darkhawk, I have to double-check that he's in my deck because I don't pull him. And then when my opponent plays Darkhawk, they go Korg, Zabu, Rock Slide, turn one, two, and three, and snap in my face every time. And I'm just sitting there drawing rock after rock after rock, taking emotional damage. And then I think, I, I'm going to take you to Twitter. I'm going to Twitter. And I think that I'm not the only one that feels this way. But it did get nerfed. It used to be a 4-1. Now it's a 4-0 and it's still good. But, like, it can't be a 4-1. negative Like, what do you do to this card? Like, I think it has to stay the way it is. And I don't even know if the package can get you. What, you're going to nerf Rock Slide now? A card that didn't see a single shred of play until Darkhawk even came out? Like, what do you do? I think you just can't release too many cards like Korg and Rock Slide. Like, you can't add too many add to the deck cards. That's what you got to be a little bit careful about. But I think he's fine where he's at. I, I think it'd be the same outcry. For whatever reason, there's not the outcry for Devil Dinosaur. And that card has been cracked for so long now, and I don't want it to be nerfed. Hell no, man. I love my devil. It's because Devil Dinosaur is a pool one card. That's why. Because people have it. People can use it. People feel like that is their go-to. This is my security. You want big vertical lanes? Check out Devil Dinosaur, fool. That's yeah. what people want. That's what people get excited about. When... It, Darkhawk still pay to win for, for the most part right now. Like, it's still up there. Yeah, it's 3K. And you're like, hey, come on, Alex. It's 3K. Relax, bud. Relax. But it's still 3K tokens. And it just recently came down. Well, not recently either. All right. I'm wrong. It's not as pay to win as I'm making it sound. But it was pay to win, Cozy. You can't convince me otherwise. Ah, what? I mean, yeah, for sure. I've never <laughs> used the word pay to win in Marvel Snap. I think it's stupid. There's so many decks out there. However. <laughs> no, I mean. However, I'm dude. No, December. No, no. If someone got this in December, like, congratulations. Like. You had a great four months of Marvel Snap, right? Like, you got to take advantage of, like, the Zabu days. You got to take advantage of any day. Like, any day. I think, you know, people will convince themselves that they could be playing better if they had X card. Uh, take, for example, when Hitmonkey came out. If you didn't have Hitmonkey in X deck, you were losing. When I did a Pool 3 only Sarah, old school Sarah Miracle deck, 80% win rate. It did fine. 
Could it have been better with Darkhawk? Maybe, but then you give up some other pieces that you need in that deck. Uh, Sir, Dark Control is a really good deck, right? Now, Rocks and Hawks is another story. You can't run the deck. You, you cannot run how the deck is built, and it's a way to get Mystique. Mystique this is also the other factor, right? It's not just Darkhawk. It's, Mystique is an insane card, and you get to copy that, and you get to uh, you know manipulate that with another insane card that is Zabu. So it's like the correlation of a lot of these cards. I agree 100%. Like this card just works so well in so many different packages. And uh, I got one more card for you that I want to throw out there. And I think this one's been on the cusp of being like the most hated card of Marvel Snap. And it's one of the most played Marvel uh, Snap cards. And it, my friend, is Shang-Chi. Now, I know Shang-Chi takes a lot of ire. People go after Shang-Chi like crazy. And... Um, but it is like the definition of release valve. It is the definition of card that has to be in the game or else like the game feels so weird. Like I'll tell you something cozy. I actually experimented in a tournament where I banned Shang-Chi and I was like, bro, like seriously, you banned Shang-Chi. Now this meta is wild. And like if Shang-Chi didn't exist, Marvel Snap becomes a very different crazy game. This card has to exist, but I think it pisses people off. I think it comes, it takes people by surprise and, um, I'm just curious your thoughts. I think it's yeah. a card that really does, uh, it, it polarizes people. Yeah, I can sum it up really easy. Shang-Chi became the most popular when Shuri dominated for so long. It was your only answer to it. The only answer. Give it a month and a half. Let's see where it's at. Let's see where it's at now that Shuri's exiting the meta. Because I think, ultimately, it's going to be that Killmonger thing, right? Where, like, when Killmonger's hot, your zoo is done. And when he's not, it's not, right? He has to be there to keep the greedy players in check. And when I say greedy, I am one. Of, I love greedy decks, man. They're so fun. I, I love trying to pull off the Wong crazy combos. But he's there for the power greedy. And he just is probably not going to be in as many decks as Shuri dies down. Uh, he's always going to be a good card. I love Shang-Chi, dude. I think he's perfect what he does. I think I, I want to revisit this in like a month and see where he is after now that Shuri, the most dominating card that we've ever seen in Snap. Is, is now gone. You actually bring up a good point. I've had that sheriff thought in the past where like, is the actual problem with Shang-Chi Killmonger? Because like the way you would just deal with Shang-Chi is like Zoo. You play Zoo, Shang-Chi is useless. I can't do anything. But Killmonger being so prevalent, so good as a 3-3, three, three, like we talk about the value Killmonger creates, it single-holdedly holds that entire archetype by the schnutz. Like you can't do anything because of Killmonger. If you're playing Zoo and they drop Killmonger, it's just over right? Exactly. And that's why like we want Human Torch to be changed. But if once the move cards come out, Human Torch is going to be super easy and he's greedy. It's the, it's the, it's a good greedy. You want to build these high power cards. Let's go. Right. But Hey, you run the risk of being Shang-Chi'd or Killmongered. Right. And that's why Zoo doesn't exist to the fullest extent because of that card, right? So I, I think it just keeps all these things in check. It does, but Killmonger feels like a catch-all. It feels like there's no disadvantage to playing Killmonger. There's never a place where Killmonger like can serve you wrong. Like if Shang-Chi punched every nine costs across their entire board state, like that would like, right? It's kind of what Killmonger does to one cost. And so like, I just think it like, it's a little disproportionate. I think that Shang-Chi is extremely valuable for like releasing those high power, very strong single lanes. But like Killmonger completely dismantles the board state of Zoo. What if what if Shang Chi was? Uh, so this is interesting, right? <laughs> the biggest con to Killmonger is that he kills your own one cost. That's what you're giving up, Alex, dude. You, one you're cost right. is a big curve play, man, and you're giving that up, right? Like you're not getting the Ice Man or whatever. And maybe you are, but you kill him ultimately. It's not going to happen, and I don't want this to happen. I just think it's a fun what if Marvel series, Marvel Snap edition. If Shang Chi destroyed all nine or more power cards on that location. So he was a Killmonger, right? 
in the sense of if you played this to get rid of the Red Skull, but you also had your own Infinite, right? It's like, oh my god, I, I, I can't play Shang-Chi there, right? And then the player then can be like, hmm, he has a high power card too. He's probably not going to Shang-Chi that location or Monster Island. It kills both of them, right? I don't know. I don't think so, but kind of an interesting idea because then he does have that con per se. That would be the ultimate April Fool's play. Like imagine on April Fool's, they didn't announce it and just all they did was just change the line of code over the air. It's like, here. And then you you play you drop Shang-Chi and it just punches your own infinite into oblivion. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, that the talk about people taking it to Twitter, eh? Oh my god. But that would be the ultimate, the ultimate April Fool's play. Without question. Well, guys, that is going to be it for our topics. We will see you in in a little longer than usual, and that'll be on the Monday, and that's gonna be kind of coming up close to the season reset. So I do hope you guys liked this episode of the Snapchat. Let us know by a review, it helps us a ton. Alex, man, it's looking bright. I'm excited for the future, bud. Oh, the ex the ex the future of Marvel Snap is nothing but spectacular. I mean, this game uh, continuously improves every single day. Every single patch brings it a step further to being the best game ever. And for me, it's my favorite game of all time, right? And uh, I'm looking forward to every single additional patch. I can't wait. I can't wait for what comes next. Without question, man. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for coming to another episode. Wish you guys a good one. Good luck in the final weeks of the ladder. And until the next one, guys, happy snapping.